Welcome to Nakubo in Brief, a podcast series from the National Association of College and University Business Officers. I'm President and CEO John Walda, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. Our mission with this podcast is to help our listeners better understand the challenges that face the business of higher education. Our hope is that you walk away with a stronger sense of the trends, policies, legislative, and regulatory issues that may impact campuses today and in the future. You can find resources for today's episode, as well as a wide variety of educational tools at www.nakubo.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Nakubo In Brief. Thanks so much for tuning in. My name is Megan Strand, your host today, and I am happy to be joined today by Wendell Brassi, Vice Chancellor of Administrative and Business Services at the University of California, Irvine, who's here to talk to us today about UCI's award-winning Management Performance Improvement Program. Welcome, Wendell. Good morning. I understand that UCI's Sustainable Performance Improvement Model helps drive effective management behavior, but I wonder if we could start out today and have you talk a little bit about the genesis of this model at UCI. We developed this model actually some time ago. It was the early 90s. And at that time, there were many um, new management models. Uh, almost a book every month came out um, claiming to have discovered uh, the secret sauce that would uh, uh, determine whether management would be effective in any number of types of organizations. And so we didn't know if we, we should adopt any of those models. Some of them looked very costly, actually. they had Some of them had what I call high overhead, meaning they, they cost a lot of money to, uh, to put into place in an organization to, to go through the process of um, oh, measurement and setting up all the tools required and so on. And, uh, but the thing that bothered me the most about them was uh, having come from a business school background, I I, uh, I realized um, uh, to try to turn um, business school ideas into a science is is pretty pretty dicey business, <laughs> and uh, uh, almost all of these models had no empirical. Uh, evidence behind them. In other words, um, some author or some consultant or sometimes it was a professor of management would, would um, uh, assert that they, they knew the key behaviors that would um, uh, separate the best managers in the best corporations or the best uh, organizations from, from the worst. And, and it was, um, you know, a handful of key behaviors typically. And, and that's why I, I call that a model because that's just a proposition until it's proven as far as I, I was concerned. And uh, when I say I, I mean uh, it wasn't just me. It was my associate vice chancellor at the time. Um, uh, she and I spent hours and hours and hours reading many books back in the early 90s. We, we read a total of 30 books. Um, wow. In, in, in which, yeah, and, 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 and every one of them claimed to have a secret um, – plan or an idea or strategy about how to improve management. And um, uh, so I wanted to find out whether any of these had any empirical validity. So we decided to build a model and um, a behavioral model. It had to be a model that was about behaviors that people could 
change if we were to uh, get get information out of this model to give individuals managers to to change their behavior so it couldn't be about traits i mean if if if, if somebody had written a, a book about how being tall uh was a leadership it led to good leadership qualities well we couldn't give that information back to managers and have them do anything with it so we we, we uh, really stepped aside from um, all possible traits. We only looked at things that were understandable behaviors that people could change if you gave them feedback about these these behaviors as as perceived not by peers but by people in their organizations, people who worked for them, people uh, who reported to them. And uh, so then we actually ended up building a really huge model at one point. We, we took all the... Uh, uh, attributes of managers, all the behaviors of managers that were uh, claimed by um, these 30 books or so that we'd read. And uh, it, it was a, a survey that was way too long. And, and uh, thankfully, uh, my staff, uh, uh, and I mean the whole organization, all of administrative and business services endured this this phase because there, there was a survey that ha- that asked them about 165 behaviors. Wow. Yeah. And uh, so... It turned out that a lot of those uh, behaviors showed no empirical relationship to effectiveness of the organization. Well, and I should say, how do we define that? Well, we defined effectiveness by looking at one external model we did have some uh, faith in. That was the Baldrige criteria, very um, popular in the early 90s, uh, still still paid some attention to today, but but uh, it was it was much more uh, influential back then, I guess. And uh, so we looked at the Baldrige criteria and we extracted from it. It was it was a big model too. So we wanted to take from it the key the key attributes of an effective organization. And we started with that. We said, okay, these are the things we all agree with that we if if our organization performs this way, we'll say this is a good organization. So then the question was, well, are there any management behaviors that demonstrably, meaning in an empirical way that we can demonstrate um, with with data, um, are there management behaviors that relate to those those outcomes, those organizational outcomes, which we call effectiveness and teamwork outcomes, and um, and then the the next question would be, well, are there any intervening variables? Are are these management behaviors ones that directly influence these things, or are there there's some intervening variables in between management behaviors and these outcomes? Uh, in other words, does the uh, does the model have you know just a couple boxes, or does it have you know, a, f- a few boxes, like half a dozen. And it turned out it has about half a dozen boxes. And uh, and so um, we we use this uh, process of taking the 165, uh, which were hypothetical because different different authors and, and consultants and, and, and others had, had postulated that they all had some uh, strong relationship to effective organizational outcomes. And just using... Uh, very robust statistical techniques. We um, we developed a good survey instrument um, and um, we uh, narrowed it down to the strongest variables that actually had empirical evidence to connect with organizational outcomes that we had decided were, were the outcomes we wanted. And it turns out that um, 31 of the 165 did. Hmm. We didn't need a survey with 165 uh, variables in it because thankfully and, and actually some of them actually overlapped i mean some of them were just using different words to say the same thing and in that case what you end up using is is the um, the the clearest uh, worded 
um, question because uh, you want everybody to understand exactly what it means. You don't want there to be any variance in the model that's created just because of measurement error in the model because uh, things aren't clear. What did you come up with then? How, how did this model then come together as it, as it is today and as it functions today? Well, it stabilized about, um, I guess it was 15 years ago, more or less. Um, and uh, by that, I mean, um, uh, at that point, we had we tried to make it simpler and simpler. Uh, our goal was to make it as simple as possible. And we did get it down to um, uh, the 31 management and leadership um, variables that are measured. Um, oh, by the way, the leadership ones were a late add. Um, the reason that was added late was because we didn't initially start out to measure leadership um, behaviors. But I read so many articles um, where um, uh, sometimes famous authors were saying management and leadership are two different things. Management is about the ministerial functions of uh, planning, organizing, and directing uh, uh, operational activities. Leadership is about inspiring a vision and creating uh, a strategy. And those are different things. Those are different parts of the brain. Different people can do those things. Never the twain shall meet. And I didn't know if that was right. I didn't. I I actually wasn't sure. I'd heard it enough times. I thought, well, maybe there's some truth in that. But the people who were saying that didn't pr produce any empirical evidence at all to support that claim. It was just a concept that, that they believed. And um, some pretty famous people um, uh, in the management world were, were saying that. So um, I um, uh, put in, into the survey a number of the leadership qualities that um, uh, these leading uh, advocates of this point of view had said were leadership qualities that were important, and, and then determined whether those correlated with the management behaviors, which we're already measuring. And, of course, based on what I'd heard, you'd expect a strong negative correlation. In other words, a strong correlation, but with a negative sign in front of it. Right. And uh, what we found was just exactly the opposite. This was a profound uh, discovery for us because uh, it turns out that that is the strongest uh, correlation in the model. Uh, that the uh, uh, management qualities, or the, rather the leadership qualities that we're measuring, correlate very, very strongly with good management behaviors. And this means that um, those skills aren't mutually exclusive, that uh, uh, they, they actually um, are complementary in the same people. So um, that was important to do. And, and actually, that, um, the management behaviors, uh, uh, or rather the leadership behaviors, when we added them, um, added about uh, six uh, key metrics that we put in. So it went from 25 to 31, counting the leadership ones. And um, then we continued to narrow down on the other side, uh, on the teamwork and, and um, organizational performance, organizational effectiveness side. That came down to 22 measures. And um, we haven't changed it since then. And one of the reasons we haven't changed it is, well, we found statistically that we we isolated all the powerful um metrics into this model and and they seem to work very consistently and also um we wanted to have comparability from year to year because the way we use this is we we provide this feedback um not just to managers we give it to everybody in the organization so people um it's a very open process uh, uh people um 
uh, rate uh, their organization's performance on these 22 metrics, and uh, they rate their manager's performance on the 31 metrics. And uh, uh, that feedback goes back to managers, and it also uh, is shared with employees. So, uh, and the whole idea of this is is to uh, it's not a performance evaluation tool. It's all about learning and improvement. And we try to make the whole ethic of this be about learning and improvement, uh, not evaluation. Hmm. I, and uh, we're trying to tra- take the, uh, uh, the risk out of it and, and the threat out of it uh, because uh, not everybody likes hearing um, performance information about themselves as, as they're perceived by, by their, um, uh, their, or- their own organization. So, um, that's part part of what we're trying to do is create this whole culture of learning and improvement around this and and say okay well this this is there's nothing wrong with getting feedback this is a normal part of what we need to do and the feedback in this case is based upon really strong empirical evidence that says these are the measures that count. Well, let's talk a little bit about those qualities or behaviors. Can you give me an example? You don't have to list all 31, but which behaviors have you found to be most effective? The effective management behaviors fall into about half a dozen groups. And by groups, I mean they're they're sometimes uh, two, three, or even four or five questions uh, that uh, measure these uh, different groups. So one one attribute of a manager is uh, valuing new ideas. So the questions there would be, my it'd be my my supervisor dot 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 um, rewards initiative, or will try new potentially better methods, or three treats new ideas with respect. So there are three mm-hmm. questions there about values, new ideas. Got it. Then there's a, a set of three about valuing others' views. So my few, my supervisor involves subordinates in important decisions. My supervisor takes time to listen and understand. My supervisor provides feedback when subordinates share ideas. Um, then there are a couple about appreciating differences among people. Uh, so those would be my supervisor recognizes that individuals' needs and abilities differ. My supervisor values the experiences and perspectives of people from diverse backgrounds. And then there's a, a very important group um, that has to do with solving problems and conflicts. So those questions would be my supervisor takes steps to improve bad relationships. My supervisor takes action to resolve interpersonal conflicts. My supervisor finds win-win solutions. My supervisor learns from his or her mistakes. And my supervisor sorts essential from unimportant information. Um, then there were a couple um, about communicating, ex- communicating expectations, and um, I won't go into those. Uh, I won't read these all. But oh, and then th- there's also another important group about um, my supervisor's principle, and it doesn't ask that exact question. What, there are four sub questions to that point. My supervisor maintains consistency between words and actions. Uh, my supervisor acts in ways that build respect in him or her. My supervisor models the behavior he or she expects from others. And my supervisor recruits and promotes fairly regardless of race, gender, sexual orientation, or age. You can see the way those things are stated. It's, it's, um, they're stated in a way that's simple, meaning that um, uh, it's pretty difficult to misunderstand those questions. They're, right. they're just, they're so straightforward that people understand them what they understand what they're being asked and what they're res- what they're responding to and and also when the feedback gets back to supervisors it's also understandable which i think the clarity of this process is what gives it some some value in terms of the 
the learning potential, which is the whole goal of it. Everyone gets these surveys. And then what happens once once the data is aggregated? How does that communication process happen back to the individual? In our case, see, we've been doing it a number of years. So what we do is um, we will tell um, every manager uh, of every subunit that we, we measure. And, and so um, when I say subunits, um, uh, some organizations are so small they would just have one one unit for the or- whole organization. So I've got an organization that uh, under me that has uh, oh six people in it. So uh, they would just have one. But I also have an organization that has uh, oh. I don't even know how many, three or four hundred, I guess, and and so they have many subunits, and um, so um, what every every organization gets back is uh, something that shows um, what their score is this year on the uh, the management uh, all the all the, all the measures I just went through, for example, the management effectiveness behaviors, and uh, but also on on the management detractors, the leadership qualities, uh, the workplace respect measures, uh, the cooperation measures, and finally the the organizational effectiveness measures. So all altogether, um, 53 measures, and they'll see displayed where where they are this year, where their organization, the same unit that was measured measured last year, uh, they'll see. Um, they won't see who's the highest and who's the lowest, but they'll see what the highest organization got and the lowest did for mm-hmm. every single metric. Mm-hmm. And um, so they can see kind of where they fall. And um, since we've been doing it a number of years, we'll, we'll show about five years of past history um, because um, uh, it's important to um, uh, notice when there's a, suddenly a drop in, in some of these measures. If there's suddenly a drop in, in – um, in these management effectiveness behaviors I just um, summarized, um, you'll see a drop within a year with 90% certainty uh, in the the box that's right below that in the model, which is workplace respect. Hmm. And when that drops, then there's a certain drop that will occur the next year in um, uh, teamwork and cooperation measures. So um, we know this thing works because we've seen it again and again and again for year after year and actually uh, uh, we tested initially at, at the outset when we didn't have all this history I've just been describing initially what we thought we should do is make sure that these effectiveness measures that we'd picked uh, that we were measuring actually correlated with, our, with what our customers thought so we looked at whether there was a correlation between um, customer rankings and we, we do customer satisfaction surveys in every area. And so um, we wanted to see if that correlated with the effectiveness measures we picked. In other words, did the model itself correlate with the external views of how effective these organizations were, different organizations? And um, there was a correlation there too. So that was the starting point. But what's probably more meaningful is that over time, uh, we see um, the kind of consistent uh, results I've, I've mentioned that when um, management behavior behaviors uh, according to these metrics uh, go up, um, workplace respect goes up within a year with a 90% uh, certainty. That's a really high number. I mean, behavioral models. If you if you're familiar with behavioral models, you, you know that uh, um, those kinds of um, uh, uh, probabilities and and the kinds of stati- statistical strength we've seen in this model are just about unheard of. Uh, this is such a powerful model. It, it, um, 
it, it really has very high predictive value. And the other thing uh, we've noticed that, that makes us uh, believe that it works um, is our experience that um, many times um, we found that a manager manager's um, um, performance according to these effectiveness measures is a very good predictor of whether they're promotable. Hmm. And so we look at that when, when, when we're promoting from within and we, we do a lot of promoting from within and we do it based upon data. Uh, it's not based upon so much an interview process as it was in the old days when someone who is really a good interviewer, um, uh, you know, uh, and, sort of knew how to play that that game would sometimes come out as the top ranked candidate. Well now we we've got we've got a track record on people. We we know how their organization and how they're they've been seen, how they've been perceived. Uh, in the metrics that we we know now actually relate in an empirically demonstrable, provable way to performance. So it's that's how we look at it. I'm curious to know what happens after that communication happens. Is it is the is the continuing education professional development piece of it for these managers to just know that these are the areas that they're low and that they're high and put more attention on it? Or, or are there other steps that you take to kind of help them bolster up the areas where they might be not as strong? About 80% of the time, um, just giving managers this feedback is enough mm -hmm. to um, to uh, help them to determine what they need to change in the, in the way they interact with people and the way they communicate and, and so on. Um, just giving the information is enough 80% of the time, I would say. A manager who um, uh, is um, falling down a little bit in, in, let's say, the aggregate score for the 31 management and leadership uh, measures – probably doesn't have to fix 31 things in right. their behavior. It's, it's usually two or three. Mm -hmm. And so we, we, um, the, the form in which we give them the data makes it very easy to, for them to drill down. They can see immediately that it's two or three things that they're doing uh, that they just need to change. And it's plain as day, actually, to most people. Now, some people don't think it's as plain as day. <laughs> uh, and, and, and so uh, for some people um, – we actually um, will very quietly behind the scenes give them a mentor, and the mentor will be someone that we know. And I, when I say we, I mean my associate vice chancellors and I talk about this, and 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 then um, we will say, okay, well, so and so um, uh, uh, is having trouble understanding or or believing that they they need to improve uh, their behaviors, and and it's 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 a problem we need to address. Let's see who who's getting really high scores that we could ask to work with them just on a very personal basis. And, and so I know these things have happened because uh, we've set this up so that someone has a mentor and that, and that what they talk about is actually this information, the metrics about this, uh, that come out of this process. And, um, I know of a couple cases where people went and, uh, had coffee every Monday morning for, uh, six months and just talked about it. And that worked in many cases. It, there are some dramatic examples of, hmm. of, of how that worked here, where where the normal what I call the normal process, meaning just getting the information, wasn't quite enough. Right. And in a very few cases, um, maybe um, five in the last fifteen years, um, people have been in total denial and disbelief, and um, we still thought 
these people uh, had potential and deserved every chance to to improve that they could get. And so we actually, in those cases, went through a 360 evaluation, which is a totally different process. It's outsourced to a firm that does nothing but 360, 360 um, evaluations. And um, uh, that, in every case, has come back with exactly the same findings. Oh, interesting. And then they believe it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's, it's actually helped a lot of people who um, probably – uh, uh, would not have gone any further in, in their in their um, management careers because um, of performance questions about uh, how effective they were in in um, creating effective uh, organizational outcomes in their organization. It's helped many many people to um, get on a track which is much more positive and and they've been. Um, much happier, I think, because of it. Their organizations have performed better. Many of them have been promoted because of, of this. So um, uh, it's worked well. And is this something that's being used by other schools or that other schools could use? Uh, they could. I don't know how many do use it. Um, some people, when they look at it, they think it's um, actually complicated. Mm. It does require a certain amount of um, infrastructure, if you want to call it that. I mean, you have to set up the process of, of administering the survey. You have to provide uh, um, these management uh, uh, or rather these uh, information tools at the um, end of the process. It's not a year-round process. I mean, we do it once a year and then we, we put out the results and, and, and people work during the year on, on improving um, from what they've learned from, from the process, the, the early process. Um, it's not quite as onerous as it looks, but it looks complicated to people when they first look at it. So I don't really know who's using it. I, I get, um, it's out there on the web, on our website. And I find that, um, I've gotten inquiries from literally around the world from people I never even expected were, were looking at the website and, hmm. and they found it. And, um, uh, so I know that um, there are a couple of um, uh, city managers who've contacted me in, in actually in the Midwest. I've never met them. I've never um, – uh, I've actually not even talked to them. I've, I've only communicated via email. And they've asked questions about how would you do this and how would you do that and, and can we see the, um, the kinds of reports that you give back to people with the results after you administer the survey. And we share all that stuff. We consider this open source. It's We, we didn't do it to make – a profit or to write a book or anything like that. It, it was for us to, to improve uh, organizational performance. But, um, and what I tell people is, um, if they're thinking about adopting it, they have to ask a couple of questions first to see if it makes sense. Uh, the first question is, um, in their organization is teamwork important? Now that may sound like a ridiculous question because everybody says teamwork's key but you know there are there are some organizations where actually the sum total output of the organization is the total work product of a bunch of people working pretty much independently this this is really about teamwork effectiveness and and uh, cooperation in the workplace and 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 uh, so if, if if you do have an organization that is a bunch of uh, geniuses working on uh, individual parts of the problem that kind of come together in a sum total way that doesn't require that much teamwork, it, maybe it doesn't matter. Um, I, I imagine there are some organizations like that. But the more key question to ask if a manager is considering using this model is to look at the effectiveness measures 
at the end of the model and see if those are the if those effectiveness measures define the organization that they would like to have because those measures are are uh, normative measures meaning that they have values in them and so they need to see whether those values that are inherent in in our effectiveness measures are actually ones that are consistent with the the values that they have for the, their own organization and, and if they're different if they have different values then the model wouldn't make any sense um, I think most people would see see those uh, effectiveness measures and say yeah we'd, we'd, we'd like our organization to um, to uh, be described that way to aspire to be that way and so on but not everybody uh, there will be some that would not so um, those are the key questions well thank you so much Wendell for sharing this model with our listeners as well as your fantastic work it sounds like you've put quite a bit of effort into this process so thanks for sharing that we'll be sure to put a link to your website in the show notes so people can get that directly sure and if anyone uh, when they look at the link has questions um uh, wants more information, wants to see uh, examples of the reports we produce or the survey instrument itself, which is actually – the survey instrument itself is actually uh, an appendix to the uh, the paper that, that you'll um, link to in that um, website. Um, we're, we're quite happy to, uh, to uh, share anything uh, that we have that would be helpful to others. You can find out more about today's episode and this model by visiting the distance learning section of nukubo.org. Make sure you do subscribe to Nukubo in brief as well in iTunes so that you don't miss an episode. And on behalf of Wendell and myself, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Nukubo in Brief. Mm-hmm.